Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Great. How, oh, wow. There we go. How are we doing? We okay? Good, good. I, I, something I love about Arena Church, I've been in Arena Church for maybe 15 years. Um, before that, went to a church called Bosworth Street. Who, who was at Bosworth Street? Just... Okay, yeah, great. And then went to Arena. One thing I love about Arena is that we are a passionate church, are we not? We love to have fun and excitement. And listen, if it's your first time here today, just feel at ease, relax, kick back. And, um, you know, you, you just take in what you want to take in this morning. But we give you a warm welcome. And uh, I just love, again, that we just have fun here. Now, I've just got back from a three-week holiday. Uh, I had a great time away. But you know what? I love coming back. Thank you, Liv. I love coming back here to Arena. And even some people are going to want to get us checked out mentally after I say this, but we love coming back to the cold weather. Um, we were both saying, like, we love putting layers on. I love winter. And can I say the C word? Christmas is less than two months away, everybody. Um, and we've done all our Christmas shopping as well, which is great. So, uh, so, yeah, as Andy said, we're in this series called Who Are You Really? A key verse is found in Galatians 5. Verse 19 to 26, it says this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. It gets better. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now, we're going to come back to that in a second. But about eight years ago, I, I, was, um, I was an assistant manager in a coffee shop in Derby. We were in quite a big shopping centre. And we, like, literally at times, this time of year when it's busy and everyone's doing the shopping and it's just a nightmare at this time of year shopping, isn't it? Guys probably would say yes. Women may be like, no, I love it. <laughs> But it's a nightmare this time of year, and we literally, this time of year, we'd, we'd serve thousands of people in a day. Coffee shops are really cool because they're like pop-up communities. You see the same people uh, day in, day out, and you just get to know people really well. And we had some great staff along this time now, but one of my favourite guys who, who I ever worked with was a man called Salom. Now, I'll tell you a little bit about Salom. Salom, let me tell you, he was a handsome guy. Like, he was a good-looking guy. I'm allowed to say that. He was a good-looking guy. He had all the muscles in all the right places. He was from South Africa, just like my mate Patrick. All the muscles, a good-looking guy from South Africa. He was just a great, great guy. Now, at this time, a friend of mine worked with me as well called Ryan. Some people may know Ryan here. He's actually married to Phil Pye's daughter. And, and this was the time where me and Ryan were talking about getting married and getting engaged and all the stuff that comes with that. <clears throat> so 
uh, what often tend to happen on a shift is that there'd be me, Salome and Ryan and me and Ryan would be talking about getting engaged and then Salome would just be engaging. Now, what else you need to know about Salome is that you could call him a ladies' man. Now, this guy put George Best to shame. Honestly, it was, it was quite amazing what this guy was like. Lovely guy, but he was definitely a ladies' man. So me and Ryan one day were just talking about getting engaged. I think Ryan had just got engaged and I was about to buy a ring and do all that sort of stuff and pop the question to Helen, my wife, who you might have seen today. And uh, then Salome comes out with something that shocked me. He said, I'm going to propose to my girl. I was like, that, that's amazing because he'd only been going out with his girlfriend for two weeks. I was like, well, this is, this is music to my ears, Salom. You know, we, you're changing. It's, it's phenomenal. So Salom goes away anyway. He shocks me and Ryan. And then a few days later, me and Salom are working again. And he goes, yeah. I says, what are you doing tonight, mate? He says, I'm going to take out my girl. Now, I, I wish I could call Helen my girl. I, I just, I can't get away with that. I, I get a, sli- a, a clip around the ear, I think. He says, I'm taking my girl out. I've got to tell you, at this point, I'm thinking, I'm going to put this guy up for, for boyfriend of the year. This is the man of the year right here. You know, he's taking his girlfriend out. He's going to propose to her. He says to me, when I get a ring, he says, I'm going to spend at least 50 pounds. I thought... <laughs> This guy knows something, right? You know, I'd spent a little bit more than that on Helen's ring. I'm like, this guy knows something. So you would imagine my shock when the girl who turns up to the coffee shop is not the girl he was talking about two days earlier. <laughs> he uh, had, had swapped girlfriends. <laughs> Quite amazing. See, this is, this is the thing. Salome was trying to keep up an appearance to Ryan and I. He wanted to, to fit in, to look like he was similar to us, like he was going through a similar point of life to us, like he was in a similar place. But the reality is the way he was living didn't line up with the words that he was saying. So I think the funny thing is we're like this at times. This series, Who Are You Really?, It's about living a life of integrity where our words line up with our actions. See, we don't want to be people who just are good talkers, do we? I want to be someone who lives a life of substance, who lives a life that makes a difference. We don't want to live that life where we talk a lot, but our actions nowhere. So you need to know today that there's no perfect person in this place. Andy's not perfect, even though he might look it. The worship team aren't perfect. None of us are perfect in this place. But you know what? We do want to live lives of integrity. We do want to live lives that obey. See, I think people come to church at times and feel like they have to act like they have it all together to come into church or or they'll be judged. This is kind of like going to the doctors because you've got a broken leg and hobbling into A&E and the doctor's like, what's the problem? And you're like, nothing, I'm fine. (laughs) Pretending that you're okay. It's the exact same thing with church. We come, we pretend we're fine, then we go away and we try and deal with our issues on our own. It's crazy. Jesus said himself, he said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. 
See, this was a metaphor to describe the type of people Jesus had come for. People who need help. Now, the reality is today that we all need help. Every single one of us needs help. If I asked us all to raise our hands, I said, if you're you're perfect, put your hand up. Now, a few people might do it out of a, a bit of a joke, but the reality is every single person in this place, we know we're not perfect. But when you flip that question and say, do you need help? Not many people have put their hands up. It's funny, isn't it, that? We know we're not perfect, but at the same time, we don't want to accept help. See, we all need a saviour. We all need Jesus as help. See, in the same way, a doctor can't help you if you don't tell him your issue. So Jesus can't set you free if you come to him in honesty with your pain, with your struggle, with your trial. See, we aren't calling for dysfunction at Arena. Everybody blabbing everything out and saying it all. You know, everyone knows all your problems. We're not, we don't want that. But we want you to be comfortable in your own skin. To live a life that's the same on the inside as well as the outside. So you don't need to talk to everybody. This is why Facebook at times is very dysfunctional for people because everybody's stuff is everywhere. You don't need to talk to everybody You need to talk to somebody though. See, that's why we have small groups. Paul and Liz do an incredible job of leading our small groups here at Mansfield. We we live in small groups because we are designed to live in community. We are designed to live together. You see, this human life does not work if you do it on your own. See, what, what did God say right at the start in Genesis? He said, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. So we're designed to walk this thing through together with people, but also we're designed to walk this thing together with God because also in Genesis, it says that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. What's that saying? It's not a walk to get somewhere. It's a walk to be together. It's a relationship walk. So we're supposed to be in relationship with people and we're supposed to be in relationship with God. And that's how we work this through together. This, uh, this verse in Galatians 5, I think it is quite hard hitting. It's very real. I love that about the Bible. But what Paul is communicating, if, I'd encourage you to go home and read Galatians 5, just the whole chapter. Because what Paul is encouraging here and what he's talking about here, the main theme for this chapter is freedom. Uh, his opening line is this. He said, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. See, God didn't set you free so you could serve him. God doesn't set us free so that you can uh, you know, live this perfect life. God didn't set you free so you could have a great business. It's for freedom that Christ set you free. He just wants to set you free. So when we're looking at that list, the list of the flesh, debauchery, idolatry, drunkenness, God isn't saying that just to stop you having fun. He's saying it because he wants us to live free. And then he outlines the fruit of the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit brings freedom. And see where the fruit, where the tree from which that fruit comes. See, my dad's got an apple tree in his garden. And if that apple tree one day thought, I'd like to produce a pear, you need to know how, no matter how hard that apple tree tries, it can't produce a pear. Anybody know that? That's the truth, isn't it? But it's the same with us. It's exactly the same 
with us. See, if we live in the flesh, if we just try and do it on our own, if we do, just try and do it in our own strength, if you just try and work it up, unfortunately, you will live in the fr- flesh, so you will produce flesh fruit. You might have good days, you might have days where you do okay, but overall, you will produce flesh fruit. Now, if you want to produce spirit fruit, it comes from living in the spirit. It comes from acknowledging that God's way are higher than our ways. It's acknowledging that he is Lord and it's knowing that he doesn't direct us away from things to stop us having fun, but he does it so that we can live in freedom. So how do we live in the spirit? I guess that's the question, isn't it? We talk to God. We pray. We read his word and we be obedient to his direction. See, when you live in the spirit, when you live on God's power, when you live on his strength, his power at work in you, then you will produce spirit fruit. When you live like this, the fruit that comes from you is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, we don't get this just by trying hard. That's what I'm trying to say this morning. It's not just a a four-point checklist. We don't get it by trying hard. It comes from living in step with God. So that doesn't mean that it's easy then just to live this perfect life. It's not the case. We still have to nurture that fruit. We still have to, to be disciplined. We still have to stay away from the things that hold us back and turn away from momentary pleasure to experience a lifetime of freedom. But I don't know about you, but I want to live a life of freedom, anybody else. I want to live a life that's free in God. I want to live a life that is far bigger than myself. And I can't do that if my life is based upon what I have in my arsenal. So today I'm going to look at the word faithfulness. One of the fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness. And we're just going to have a a bit of a look at that today. See, this word, if, you, if you've been around church, you'll know that faithfulness is derived from the word faith, which is an incredibly important and focal word within the Bible. See, being faithful means to be dependent and to depend upon. It's to be trustworthy and to be trusting. It's to be reliable and to rely on. It's to be consistent, to be honourable. I don't know about you, but I believe our world needs some faithfulness in it. So it seems at the moment that the world is devoid of faithfulness and devoid of faith. And I'm not just talking about with God either. You know, with, there's no faith in leaders, in politicians, in that colleague or in the boss, in that neighbour, in that classmate or, or in that parent. Do, do you know what I mean? It always seems like we're out to get somebody. There's, there's no faith, there's no trust in people. Now I know that Politicians aren't perfect, that leaders make mistakes, that all neighbours aren't, aren't, you know, uh, the cookie cut neighbour that everyone would want, who put your bins out and look after your house. But we can't live a life where we don't put our trust in anybody or anything. See, the life of faithfulness first has faith in God. It first trusts God. It first follows God. And because of this relationship, faithfulness flows into all areas of our lives. It cascades into all areas of our lives as we put 
our trust in a faithful God. You see, when you live like Jesus, when you walk with him and talk with him every day, you become like him. And Jesus personified faithfulness. He was faithful to his disciples. He's faithful to save us. He's faithful to set us free. And he was faithful to go to the cross for you and me. He did what he said. Andy this morning was talking about the faithfulness of God. He was faithful in Genesis and he was faithful in Revelation and all the way in between. And he isn't going to stop being, stop being faithful today. I, I love that song that we sing in church. Faithful you are. I love that song because it reminds me of God's faithfulness. It reminds me that he won't let me down. It reminds me that he is walking with me. Who's thankful this morning for a faithful God? I'm so thankful for a God who heals me. I'm so God for, thankful for a God who sets me free. I'm so thankful for a God who doesn't turn away from me, but he is always close by. Anybody else thankful for this God? I'm so thankful for a God who's faithful. But I just want to look at a few ways that we can be faithful in our lives. And the first one, I think it's fairly obvious that we need to be faithful in our relationship with God. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. See, first and foremost, we have to be faithful to God. Our faithfulness to God is the foundation to which we can be faithful in all other areas of our lives. It comes first. This is where the overflow of faithfulness comes from. I think some people think having a faith in God is just a bit of a gambit. So you'll hear people say things like, I've got a faith. Like I'll ask some people, like, you know, maybe in the business community that I'm a part of or whatever, what do you believe? Because they'll know I'm a Christian or whatever. And they'll say, I've got a faith. We're not talking about that. That isn't faithfulness. See, it's easy to just say I have faith in God, but it's much harder to live that life. What happens when you're ill? What happens when your business is failing? What happens when you can't pay the mortgage? See, trials and trouble are where faithfulness is proved. Being faithful isn't turning away from God when things go wrong. Living faithfully is going through hell and still believing that there's a heaven. That's being faithful. See, if your faith is predicated upon your circumstance, then it's not faith, it's just an ideal. See, I'm sorry to say this morning that things go wrong in this life. Who knows that things go wrong in this life? That isn't because of God. It's because there's a lot of imperfect people in this world who have the gift of freedom. But living faithfully towards God is trusting Him in the trial. It's trusting Him in the trouble. It's believing Him in spite of your current situation, saying, you know what, God? I know where I am now. I'm in this problem. I'm in this issue. But God, I will praise you because I know you're bigger than it. I know you can deliver me from it. And I know you can take me out of it. That's living a faithful life. See, the first church were amazing at this. I'm just studying Acts at the moment. They went through some intense situations. They were put in jail. They were beaten for, for just for preaching the word of God. They were, they were persecuted. But because of their living faithfully through all of that, 
They saw God do amazing things. They saw God transform literally the world today. And you and me are sat here this morning because 12 disciples decided to continue after Jesus died, rose and went, went to heaven. 12 disciples continued to be faithful to God. Faithfulness is so important. You say, Josh, that's lovely, but how do I live this faithful life? I think there's a few simple ways to do that, faith, to live faithful to God. The first thing you have to do is to give him time every day. Give God time every single day. See, if I didn't give my wife time every day, I'd be in big trouble. Our relationship would be in huge trouble. But what we do is we expect to cultivate a relationship with God without giving him any time. And what God wants first and foremost, in, before you being perfect, he doesn't, well, he doesn't want you to be perfect, but before you giving him your money, before you doing this and that, he wants to just spend time with you. That's what he wants. He wants to spend time with you. And the biggest thing that you can do for God, the biggest thing he wants from you is just you to sit down with him and say, hey God, I'm here. I'm going through this, help me. Show me how I can live like you today. He wants you to spend time with him. Read his word. Talk to him. Get away with him. And I'd, I'd encourage you to do this. I do this every morning. I wake up. I try and wake up before the baby. Sometimes that's not possible when Willow's up at five. But I try and wake up first thing in the morning and, and just speak to God. Just get away with him and spend time with him. Read my Bible. And I do this not just in good times, but in times when... Uh, things are tough as well. I think it's even more important. And the next thing is to commit to church. Commit to this gathering. As we said, we're not supposed to do life alone. And it hurts me when people are going through a tough time and they stay away from church. Let me tell you, when you are going through a tough time, this is the best place you can be. This is the place where you are reinvigorated. This is the time where people can come around you and say, come on, let's go again. This is the time where, you know, you know when you're on your own sometimes, you get a bit like, you, you get a bit tunnel vision about your problem, don't you? Anybody? But then you get around people. You praise God and they say, hey, listen, God's bigger than that. God's got you. God's with you. Commit to church. It's so important. See, we're also called to be faithful in our lives. In Luke 16, verse 10, Jesus says this. He says, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you aren't faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? I think one of the biggest travesties is when Christians don't, uh, don't live a life that's faithful. Don't live faithful in their workplace. Don't live faithful to those people around, around them because you've got to know that when you walk into that workplace and say, hey, I'm a Christian, you're carrying the name of Jesus. You are Jesus to those people. And I think at times, and this again, we're not, none of us are perfect, but at times people have lived with low faithfulness. They've been untrustworthy. They've been hurtful. They've gossiped, Christians. And then people have said, no, I know those Christians. I know, that, I know what they're like. They're no different. We're called to live different, guys. We're called to live faithful in our lives. See, in Luke 16, we see Jesus addressing this very issue. His talk is, is directed at the Pharisees, and they were the religious people of the day. 
See, they were exactly, the Pharisees, what we don't want to be. They, they wanted to, to portray this perfection on the outside, but inside they were a mess. They weren't living faithful lives. They were all bothered about social climbing and about being the highest and about being the best. They were hypocrites who said one thing and lived another way. And because of that, there was this huge divide between the religious people of the day and, and ordinary people like you and me. But does this sound a bit familiar? I think at times there's been a gap between the church and between the people in our world because actually we, we've not lived faithfully. We have lived a little bit hypocritically. Jesus is calling us to live with integrity in our lives, to live faithfully each and every day. His encouragement is to be faithful in the small things, to be faithful in all areas of our lives. See, we're so preconceived with big goals that we forget about the small goals. But the way you achieve the big things in life is the culmination of thousands of small steps, thousands of faithfully living the way that God intended it. There's so many people who have big goals. They say, I want to do this. I want to start this business or I want to be a footballer or I want to do this or that. But what they can't do is take the small steps that it takes to get to that place. We're called to live faithful in the small. See, if you want to achieve your big thing, it starts by being faithful in all areas today. See, the influence we, we will have as Christians will not be determined by how well we can talk about our faith or how well you can recite your story about what God did in you. It's not going to be determined by that. Our influence will be determined by how faithful we can live our lives. Because let me tell you, you can, you can be the best speaker in the entire world, but if you aren't living a life that lines up with your words, then no one will listen. Your influence your influence is dependent upon how faithful we can live in our lives. Can you show up to work each day, faithfully serving, having a positive attitude, honouring that boss, even when he's in a mood? <laughs> Being trustworthy to those around, speaking well of people. See, when you do this, your influence skyrockets and people will be drawn to the difference within you because this is so different. See, we need your big dreams. We need them. God's put them in your heart for a reason. But as well as big dreams, we need small action. See, because a big dream and small faithful action equals change. The Bible says it, faith without deeds is dead. Big dream and small action equals change. Our world needs us to model a new level of faithfulness. People should be able to trust you. They should be able to know that when you say something, you will do it. People should be able to count on you. Are you a faithful friend? Do you protect the people around you? Do you protect your relationships? Or do you look to bring someone down as quickly as you can? Do you tell other people's secrets? Are you there just in the good times or are you there in hard times? Let's live faithful in our lives. Let's live faithful in our world. Let's live faithful in our workplace. If we want to see this world change for Jesus, if you want to see your workplace change, if you want to see Mansfield change, it will first come by living faithfully in our lives. That's where it will come. See, the best way we can do this 
the best way I know how to live faithful in my life is just to pray little and often, just to speak to God little and often. So before a meeting, I'll say, hey, God, need you to go before me, need you to help me. Before that tough conversation, God, just give me wisdom. Let me, let me, uh, let me honour you, God. Let me be gracious. Before even I, you know, I go home at night, God, let me just, let me be a great dad. Let me be a great husband. The best way we live faith in our lives is just to speak to God little and often. And finally, we're called to live faithful for the future. Proverbs 29, 18, it says this, where there's no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. I want to ask this morning, are you living with faith for the future? Are you living with faith for each day? Or you, do you dread waking up because of the pain that the day may bring? See, we're called, God has called us to live with a God-revealed vision over our lives. And to have vision, it takes faith. Because without faith, we can't have a vision because we can't believe that things will ever be different. It requires faith to have a, a vision. It takes faith to believe what God says. See, vision is not just for Christians. This is a biblical principle that's, out, principle that's outworked in the world. Any successful person that you've ever seen is the result of a vision that they've taken action on. See, Henry Ford, he had a vision that every person would have access to a motor vehicle. It was a crazy dream at the time, but look at us today. The Wright brothers, the guys who invented the plane, they believed that they could create a machine that would give people access to the world. At the time, people laughed at them. They crashed plenty of times. But look at us today. I can fly to America because of what they did. Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat because she saw a world that would not be divided based upon colour. See, all these people live with faith for the future. Faith that things would be different. Faith that they could see change. Faith that tomorrow would be better than today. Let me tell you, we're called to live with faith for the future. What are you seeing over your life? Let's not just live with fear for what might happen. Let's live with faith for what God's going to do. Let's live with faith for the opportunities that God's going to provide. I can promise you that God has opportunities stored up for you in each day that you have no idea about at the moment because all you're focused on is fear. Get your eyes off of you. Get your eyes off of your situation and get them onto God so he can show you how to see through his lens. See through the eyes of faith. One of the prayers I pray pretty much every day is, is God, let me see with your eyes. Because aren't we, we're so preconceived with our own issues, aren't we? Yeah. Our own schedule, our, our own priorities. I don't want to be preconceived with my ideas. I want to be absolutely enamoured and, and fulfilled in God's ideas. God, give me your eyes. Give me your vision. Let me see through your eyes of faith. See, when you do this, he can begin to open your eyes to the promise he has in store for you. Every single person in this room, you have a destiny in God. You have a huge purpose in God. Regardless of your age, regardless of your background, God has a plan for you. 
That is the Bible. Let me tell you, you read it from front to back and you will see this thing more than any other, that God has a plan for his people and God will deliver his people and God will save his people. God has a plan for you. There are messes in the Bible, people who have completely messed up, people who have got it wrong, people who have made huge mistakes, but still God was faithful. God has a plan for your life. Not for the, per- well, he does for the person next to you, but personalise it. God, just say it. Come on, God has a plan for me. God has a plan for you. A plan for you. Jeremiah 29, it says, God, his plan is to prosper you. It's to give you a hope and a future. God wants to propel you into all that you can be. Come on, Arena. Let's live faithful for the future. Let's believe for God's more. See, I believe over this church that this room that we sit in today will not be big enough to hold the people that God is going to send us. Your friends, your families, your neighbours, your children are going to be scrambling to get in this place as we live faithful in this community. I believe that we'll see this town transformed by the power of God. I believe that we'll have to run multiple services because of the people that God is going to send to this place. I believe that we're going to plant churches from this church and people sat here today will be leading it and you've got no idea right now. Let's have faith for the future. Let's have faith for the future. Listen, you... I've spoken a lot today, but I just want to allow some time right now for God to speak to you for a second. Are you living a life of faithfulness? Are you living with faithful, faithfulness towards God? Are you living with faithfulness in your life? And are you living faithful for the future? Just do me a favour and just bow your head and close your eyes just for a second. You're not praying, you're just giving people the space. This is just your opportunity. Just have a moment.